We're going to read together in God's Word. Alison's going to read for us. We're going to read from Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through to 13 this morning. This passage is two letters to two different churches. First of all, to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And at verse 7, to the church in Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Revelation chapter 3 as we look at these Uh, two churches this morning. There's nothing worse, is there, than being woken up with a start. Perhaps you've been in a hotel and the fire alarm has gone off in the middle of the night. That's always quite scary, isn't it? Or maybe you're at home and something goes off, maybe a car alarm or the house alarm goes off in the middle of the night, and you wake with that that start, don't you? And there's nothing worse. 
As I said earlier to the, the children, I spent a bit of time uh, in my early 20s in Japan. I was there for four months uh, doing church planting. And as part of that experience, uh, we spent some time. Uh, I was out with some Canadian missionaries, and we spent some time in a missionary camp in Sendai. And we went to that camp. It was um, kind of uh, September time, and the camp hadn't been open very long, and so um, it was a kind of lodge that we were staying in. And so we needed to, to open the lodge up. It had kind of shutters uh, on the windows with actually no panes of glass. It was only uh, kind of mesh on the, the windows. And we, we had to open up this lodge. And we found all kinds of strange creatures in that lodge. One of the people I was with, uh, a boy from uh, Leeds, he found a snake skin in his bed. We found other kinds of creepy crawlies in the showers. Uh, it wasn't very pleasant because you get all kinds of creepy crawlies in Japan. And we'd been there about uh, a week or so, and I was uh, in my bed one night, uh, fast asleep, and suddenly, in the middle of the night, something jumped on my head. And you know that feeling when you've got your eyes closed and something jumps in your head, you're like, what was it? And through my mind, I was thinking, snake. But it wasn't, it was something kind of furry. I thought, tarantula. This is not good. And I, I woke up with a start. I sat bolt upright. And I suddenly realized that it was the cat. The missionaries I was out with had a cat. And the window uh, where I was sleeping, the, the shutter was open. Uh, but there was, a, there was a light outside. And there were moths at the window. And so the cat had taken a dive at the moths. And in doing so had landed on my head. It was a rude awakening. Now, there are times, aren't we, when we're given a rude awakening, but there are also times when in our lives, perhaps we need a metaphorical waking up. Times when we need to wake up in our lives. When I was at school, and it was not long until exam time, I remember that the, the pupils were, were often given a, a metaphorical waking up. A reminder, we were sat down, the exams are coming, and that work needed to be put in, especially if there was little work happening at that particular point. A metaphorical waking up. And in something like the football world, if, if a game is going badly, then at, at half time, the manager will sit down with the team and they'll give them a, a roasting, give them a wake up. You're not doing your job. You're playing really badly. Get back out in that pitch and play better. Wake up. Now today as we continue our series in the seven churches in Revelation, we're going to think about two churches, uh, the church in Sardis uh, and Philadelphia. Now again, uh, you won't be able to see this terribly well, uh, but the church in Sardis uh, is around there. Remember, John is, is having these, this vision that he's received from, uh, from Christ, and he's going through these seven churches, and they're kind of in an arc shape. So we're coming towards the end, uh, and so there's a church in Sardis, uh, and then the church uh, in uh, Philadelphia. So Sardis is there, uh, and Philadelphia uh, is there. And then we've got one more uh, church at Laodicea uh, to do uh, later on. Now Sardis about 35 miles southeast of Thyatira that we looked at uh, last week. Sardis had a, a glorious past. It had a large Jewish population. 
Philadelphia, in contrast, was an important commercial city, and it was about 30 miles southeast of Sardis, and it had temples to Zeus and to the emperor. Now, one of the important things to to realize here uh, about these two cities is that in AD 17, both Sardis and Philadelphia were devastated by an earthquake, completely uh, destroyed. And so they had to be uh, rebuilt, and they were rebuilt with Roman aid. That's why in Philadelphia there was this temple uh, to the emperor, thanksgiving to the emperor for helping them rebuild their city. So first of all, let's consider the letter to the church in Sardis. Now, the church in Sardis had a reputation of being alive, as Jesus says in verse 1. But in fact, the church is dead. They are the very opposite of what they think they are. Think they're alive, but actually they're dead. And that's why Jesus tells them at the beginning of this letter, wake up and strengthen what remains before it dies. Now, as we've seen throughout our series, even though there are stark warnings given to the churches in Revelation, what we need to notice is that there's always time given to these churches to repent. Jesus says, look, you're not in the right place. Repent. He wants them to change. But the reminder to the church in Sardis is that time is short. They need to repent, and they can't repent next week, next month, next year. They need to wake up. Because Jesus is coming like a thief, and they don't know when he will come. Of course, this reminds us, doesn't it, of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels about the second coming, when he will come again. It has echoes of Matthew 24, Luke chapter 12, where Jesus says he will come like a thief in the night, and no one knows the hour he will come. Now, I'm no expert on burglary. I hope you're glad to hear that, incidentally. I guess if you were to burgle someone's house, you you wouldn't ring them up beforehand, would you? You know, I'm just coming round. It'll be around about, you know, 12 o'clock at night and I'm coming to burgle your house. That's not what happens, is it? A burglar doesn't come round and knock on your door and say, you know, do you mind if I just come in and take a few things? That's not what happens. What happens? Is it a time when it's unexpected? Perhaps a time when the whole household is asleep, perhaps in the the dead of night. Who knows? The thief comes unexpected. Now, Jesus isn't a thief, but he's going to come like a thief in the night. No one knows the hour he will come. And so the warning is there for the church in Sardis to, to sort themselves out, to wake up. And maybe within the church today, maybe he, even here in West Kilbride, this is the message that we need to heed. You see, the problem in the church in Sardis is that they are sleepwalking into disaster. They think they're alive when in fact they're in the death throes. And for us in the church today, the Church of Scotland and in West Kilbride, we cannot live on past glories. 
We cannot stick our heads in the sand and and say that there are not issues within the church. We need to wake up to examine ourselves, to see if we are found wanting in the sight of the Lord. And if we are wanting, to repent and to come back to our first love. You see, the call is to to wake up, and it's, it's really apt for the church, isn't it, in Sardis? Because it had a a reputation as a fortress town, a a military stronghold. But actually in the past, twice it had been defeated. And the reason for those two times when it had been defeated was because why? Because the watchmen were not vigilant. They were not doing their job. And in the same way, The church must wake up from its spiritual slumber. And if this is us, as a church, as individuals, so must we wake up. As a church, we need to to wake up and we need to make sure that we are doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And he's coming like a thief in the night. We don't know when that will be. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. It could be a hundred years from now. We just don't know. Who knows but the Lord. But we need to make sure that we are ready. Are you ready today? When push comes to shove, are you ready? If Jesus were to come back tonight, would you be ready? Or would you be found wanting? If you know in your heart of hearts you'd be found wanting, then now is the time. Repent. Come to Jesus. Because there's always time before he comes. You see, we know when someone is coming to visit our house and we've got time, don't we? If someone has planned to come to our house, and they let us know in advance, then then we make sure the house is ready, don't we? We get the hoover out. We get the dusting done. We make sure that things are all tidy. We shove things in that cupboard that no one knows about. We make sure it's nice for the guests coming, don't we? It's fine when someone gives us warning that they're coming to our house. But when someone drops on us with no warning, That can be a different scenario, can't it? A different situation. Because we think, oh goodness, I've not hoovered. My washing's all over the place. I'm not ready. It's the same in our lives, in in in, in our own lives, in our corporate life, as the church, in our individual lives. We need to make sure we are spiritually ready. That when Jesus returns, no matter when that would be, that we're ready. Our shoes are on. Our jackets are on. We're ready to go. Are you ready this morning? Because this is a call to wake up. Now, despite most in the church in Sardis being dead, there are a few who have not soiled their clothes. Instead, they are clean. They are are dressed in white, a color obviously of purity also a color of victory. And they are on the the heavenly register. 
and will not be blotted out forever. So there are a few, only a few, who are faithful in this church in Sardis. So they're being warned. Wake up. Now in contrast, the church in Philadelphia is one of only two churches where nothing is really negative is said about this church. Jesus knows their deeds, and they seem to be marked with more humility than the, the church in Sardis. The Sardis. The church in Sardis thought they were alive, they're actually dead. This church in Philadelphia has little strength. They are fairly weak. Perhaps they have little strength because they've faced persecution, but they have been faithful. They've not denied Jesus. Indeed, those who are of the synagogue of Satan, probably symbolic of those who are denying Jesus in their actions and words that we saw to referred to earlier in Revelation, they will fall, the synagogue of Satan, at the feet of the church in Philadelphia and acknowledge that Jesus loved them, loved them as a church. And so this church in Philadelphia has endured. And because it's endured, and probably because it has little strength, they will have some kind of spiritual protection from the coming tribulation. Now, in the last part of the the letter to the church in Philadelphia, we again see a reminder to the church that Jesus is coming soon. And the exhortation to this church is to hold on and to keep going. And they're promised the victory. If they hold on, they're promised the victory to be a pillar in the temple, i.e. to be part of the kingdom of the Lord and to have written on them the name of God, the city of God, and Jesus' new name. This is all about identity and citizenship in a glorious eternal city with God forever. Now, Remember here, as I said at the, near the beginning, that Philadelphia had been destroyed by an earthquake in AD 17, and then it had been rebuilt again. And when it was rebuilt, it was temporarily given a new name, Neo-Caesarea, meaning Caesar's new city, out of gratitude to the emperor for the city being rebuilt. In a greater way here, Jesus is saying to the church in Philadelphia, be faithful, hold on, and you will be victorious. You will be part of the kingdom that will never be taken from you. That will be your identity. You see, throughout all this, it's important to realize that Jesus is the one who has the ultimate authority. He's described to the church in Sardis as the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits is referred to earlier in Revelation and probably refers to the the perfect work, seven being the perfect number, the perfect work of the Spirit of God. And we saw earlier in Revelation that the seven stars are the seven angels of the churches. Sardis needs the Spirit's life-giving power. But only Jesus can give it to them. He's the one with authority. 
And in Philadelphia, Jesus is the one who's holy and true, and he holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. Jesus has the supreme authority to open and shut the doors of the kingdom. And of course, this is something we need to remember in the church, and something that often we forget in the church. You see, undoubtedly, the church in Philadelphia would have been under pressure to capitulate, to give up, to deny the name of Jesus in word or in action. They would have been under pressure. You know, Jesus is never coming. What you believe is a load of nonsense. Just come with us. Come and, and worship the emperor. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to Zeus. Don't think about Jesus. Under pressure. But they don't give in. They cling on to Jesus. They cling on to the truth. In our day, we face many challenges, don't we? From out with the church and even within the church. We face challenges, similar challenges, to deny the truth, to deny Jesus. Sometimes we are tempted to capitulate. Why? Because actually we fear men rather than fearing God. But what I want you to see today is Jesus is the one who holds the key of David. He holds the keys to the kingdom. And we need to fear God more than man and to put him first as a priority in our lives. So today, are we sleeping? Are we still sleeping? If so, we need a rude awakening. We need to wake up to get our priorities right. And to say as individuals and as a church, I want to hold to Christ no matter what. I want to serve him. I want to truly be alive. I truly want to be part of the kingdom. I want to be with him forever and ever. You see, at one level, those who are worshipping the emperor and Zeus, it might have seemed easy for them. They might have been getting on well in their lives. They might have been pointing the finger and saying, you know, all that Jesus stuff, it's not doing you much good, is it? But then Jesus will come. And what will Zeus be then? What will the emperor be then? Nothing. Is it not the same in our own lives and in our own time? People who trust in materialism, who trust in themselves, who say, why do you believe all that Jesus stuff? Why do you believe in heaven? At the end of time, do you not think it will do you in better stead? Believing and trusting in Jesus. Do you truly want to be part of the kingdom? Do you truly want to be with God forever. And if we do, then may we know that joy within, of knowing no matter what happens to us, 
even in the face of persecution, as our brothers and sisters are finding all around the world, that Jesus holds us. And no matter if our life is taken from us, that we will always be part of the kingdom, never blotted out from the book of life. So this morning, let's not sleepwalk to destruction. Let's repent and believe and trust because the truth is that Jesus is coming. He will come like a thief in the night and we need to be ready. Are you ready today? As you search your heart and your mind, are you ready? Are you in the right place with God? Or do you realize that you go Sunday to Sunday and you don't really think about God at all? Your prayer life is null and void. You don't really look at God's Word. Well, is it not time for that to change? Are you ready? Is your house in order? What would happen if Jesus came tomorrow? Would you be ready? What about if he came tonight? We need to wake up. Wake up to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And if you have ears to hear today, may you be awake and alert, and may you know your salvation is secure in Jesus. Wake up. Amen. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that we need to wake up And this is a message for each one of us. This is a message for the church. And yes, a message for the churches in Sardis and in Philadelphia. To wake up. To find life rather than death. To find salvation in Jesus and in Jesus alone. To be faithful to him. To hold on. Lord God, we recognize in our lives that sometimes it is far easier to capitulate, to give in to the, the fear of man rather than fearing you, to do what is right in the sight of the world rather than doing what is right in your sight. Father, we want to be a people who honor you. We want to be a people who serve you. We want to be a people who love you. And we want to love you because you have loved us. You loved us first and foremost. You love us with an everlasting love. And Father, as we are captivated by your love, we pray that we would love you and that we would love those around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family, even our enemies, those who are unlovable. Lord God, may we be people who spread your kingdom. Lord God, we thank you that believing in Jesus is worth it. We thank you that salvation is found in him alone because all authority in heaven and and on earth has been given to him. And we thank you that when we believe and trust in Jesus, then we are a new creation and our names are written in the book of life and can never be blotted out. So, Father, we pray today that you would strengthen our faith, 
And Lord God, if we're found wanting today, we pray that you would help us and give us the strength to repent, to realize we're on the wrong path, that we're on the road to destruction rather than the road to life. Father, bring us back. Bring us back to Jesus. And Father, we pray for the church. Perhaps this is a wake-up call for the Church of Scotland, for the church here in West Cobright. Perhaps there are areas in which we are lacking, areas in which we think we are alive but actually we're dead. Father, we pray that we would be open to the prompting of your Spirit and that you would lead us and guide us and that we might live by the Spirit, not wanting to fulfill our own desires, but rather wanting to serve and to honor you. So, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to awaken this day. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.